Hello and welcome to In The Loop, a podcast working in cooperation with Suffolk Votes and Suffolk University's Center for Community Engagement. The views and opinions expressed on In The Loop do not reflect the opinions of Suffolk University, the Center for Community Engagement, or Suffolk Votes. I'm Cam Sweeney. And I'm Andrew Gomes. And I'm Marie Dubois. This week, Nikki Haley announces her 2024 campaign. The Republican Party struggles to pass a legislative agenda. Senator Feinstein of California announces her retirement and more. After a Chinese spy balloon was brought down at the beginning of this month, the U.S. has shot down at least three unidentified flying objects over the past few days. It is still unclear what the objects were, what their purpose was, or who sent them. On February 10th, a U.S. fighter jet shot down an unidentified object over Alaska. A White House official stated that the object was roughly the size of a small car and was likely not a balloon. On February 11th, another U.S. jet shot down an object over Canada. A Canadian official described it as a cylindrical and smaller than the spy balloon. On February 12th, yet another object was shot down over Michigan. It was described as having an octagonal structure with strings hanging off. One explanation is that the North American Aerospace Defense Command, or NORAD, has adjusted its radar to become more sensitive, which in turn raised the amount of objects it detects. Still, there are no clear answers. We also have some more action in the 2024 presidential campaign. Um, Pretty early uh, yesterday morning on the 14th, Nikki Haley announced that she would be running for president for the Republican nomination uh, in 2024. That makes her the first open Republican challenger to Trump. Um, And if successful, she would be both the first woman and the first Asian American to be the Republican nominee for president. Um, What I think is going to be most interesting about uh, watching her campaign unfold is how she deals with Trump on the campaign trail. Um, Haley has had a very back-and-forth relationship with the former president. Uh, If we go all the way back to 2016, Haley first endorsed Marco Rubio for the presidency. After he dropped out, she backed Ted Cruz. Uh, She was pretty staunchly against Trump in the 2016 nomination. She was against his rhetoric about immigration, uh, his policy of a border wall, She also stated before the primary in her home state of South Carolina that Trump was, quote, everything a governor doesn't want in a president. Uh, This this changed when Trump offered her a spot in his cabinet. As ambassador to the U.N., she resigned as governor of South Carolina to join President Trump's cabinet, um, which she stayed until about 2018. After January 6th, Haley kind of again changed course. She uh, opposed Trump after January 6th. She said... um, And this is another quote, we need to acknowledge he let us down, he went down a path he shouldn't have, and we shouldn't have followed him, and we shouldn't have listened to him, and we can't let that happen ever again. This lasted until October of 2022, and again she changed course, backing Trump again, saying, quote, we need him in the Republican Party, I don't want us to go back to the days before Trump. Um, So she's had a a very back-and-forth relationship with the former president, Right now, she's only polling in the single digits, so she's not seen as the most, um, as the biggest threat to Trump's campaign. That's still Ron DeSantis right now, the governor of Florida. Um, uh, But still, she's beginning to hold rallies. It'll be interesting to see how her rhetoric and how um, the way she talks about Trump changes over time. The GOP-led House struggles to unite behind a legislative agenda as several pieces of Republican-sponsored legislation have struggled to gain traction due to the failure of the Republican Party to unify. A bill targeting progressive prosecutors put forward by more conservative Republicans is facing heavy opposition from more libertarian members of the GOP caucus. 
Another top piece of conservative legislation meant to crack down on immigration has found resistance from within the party who say that the legislation was overly restrictive and would effectively end asylum in the United States. The GOP has been able to unify behind some messaging bills, such as repealing vaccine mandates and declaring the pandemic over. But the Republican Party's inability to unite raises concerns over how the chamber will be able to unify for far more important legislation that lies ahead such as raising the debt ceiling and funding the government. Senator Dianne Feinstein of California announces that she will not seek re-election. Feinstein, the oldest senator at 89, announced earlier yesterday that she would not seek re-election, leading to a hotly contested race between several high-profile Democrats in California. Already Democratic representatives Adam Schiff and Katie Porter have announced their candidacy, with others such as Representative Barbara Lee considering runs. Now for the train derailment in Ohio. A Norfolk Southern train carrying 20 cars of hazardous chemicals and materials derailed and caught fire, causing those chemicals to spill into the community and surrounding areas. On February 3rd, residents of East Palestine, Ohio, were told to evacuate as chemicals such as butyl acrylate, vinyl chloride, and non-hazardous lube oil were spilled and caught fire in the community. The evacuation order has recently been revoked due to officials not finding any chemical substances above normal levels in the air or water supply. But locals have reported dead fish and frogs in the rivers, as well as dead livestock and wild animals. The investigation on this matter is still ongoing, and the long-term effects of this spill have yet to be determined. And now to Social Security. The New York Times reported earlier this morning that new forecasts from the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, set to be released on Wednesday, or today, are expected to show Medicare and Social Security spending growth rapidly outpacing the growth in federal tax revenues over the next 10 years. If we go back to last week and the State of the Union address, we saw that President Biden had left some members of the GOP in the spotlight for wanting to quote-unquote sunset Social Security and Medicare as a part of their laundry list of federal spending cuts. Those GOP members had knocked back Biden's claims by calling him a liar, specifically Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia's 14th Congressional District. The debate on Social Security is also crucial at this moment as we're quickly approaching the 2024 general election campaigning season. And we can see that a major voting bloc in the U.S. are the baby boomers who currently rely on the Social Security and Medicare programs for their general well-beings in post-retirement. Moving to U.S. inflation. Reuters reported yesterday that U.S. inflation had eased, though it was only slightly, and not enough to make a significant dent at what Americans are currently facing, which is higher rental housing and food costs. The inflation rate had slowed to 6.4%, though the monthly inflation rate rose by 0.5%. Now, what does this mean for the American people? Grocery stores have been forced to mark up the prices on their food items, Americans are paying more to fill their cars with gas, and the general cost of living is rising at an alarming rate. Though there is some positivity to take away from this story, as recent data suggests that our labor market remains strong even as inflationary pressures are showing signs of easing, with the U.S. labor market adding over 500,000 new jobs in January, as reported by CNBC. Moving now to our last story of the day, um, in the United Kingdom, Nicola Sturgeon, the first minister of Scotland, uh, kind of surprisingly announced that she'd be stepping down. Um, she has been a, a longtime advocate for Scottish independence from the United Kingdom. She was also the longest serving first minister of Scotland during her time. Um, and this announcement kind of came out of nowhere. A lot of people weren't anticipating it. Like I said, she's been a really... Uh, loud, a very vocal advocate, a big campaigner for Scottish independence. Um, And her announcement earlier today on Wednesday uh, shocked many people. She's been in office for more than eight years. Um, 
And her main rationale was she believes that she became too polarizing of a figure, too um, divisive in order to continue Scotland's campaign for independence. Um, so she said that she'll be staying on until a leadership election can take place. She's the party leader and first minister for the Scottish National Party, commonly abbreviated the SNP. Um, until that happens, she'll remain as party leader. Um, and so it'll be interesting moving forward to see who takes on her role and how that affects Scotland's ongoing movement for independence. Thanks for listening, and be sure to visit us at itlpodcast.com for more information and the latest And also be sure to follow us at Suffolk Post on Thank you, and we hope you tune in next week.